So our effective running as the church of Jesus with the correct understanding of the keys of the kingdom and with a heart to reach the lost and to help our brothers and sisters in the body of Christ to get healed and whole and run well with us is of eternal importance. We are being watched to see what we will do with the promise of the new covenant. Some of these faith heroes like Moses, Daniel, David, other prophets, they saw the promise as a prophetic vision, dream or word. They knew that the Christ was coming. They prophesied about it. Do we understand the weight of that responsibility, that role that we have? Why is the writer instructing us to run with endurance? He could have just said, let us run. But he said, let us run with endurance. Because it is possible that the race is longer, tougher, and more tiring than any of us realized going in. Hello and welcome to the Love Key Church podcast, where we share our church's message of the week. My name is Heinz Winkler, and together with my wife, children, and our leadership team, we host Love Key Church here in Somerset West, online, and on this podcast. It is our mission to help you to encounter God, align with His purposes, reign in life, and help others to do the same. We trust that you will find this message empowering, encouraging, and inspiring. Please share it with your friends and family and write a review for us. And a huge thank you goes out to those who have already done so. May you be thoroughly blessed as you listen to this message. All right, who can tell me what series we are in? Rain in life. Yes, well done. You get five points. They mean absolutely nothing. All right. Our main scripture that we are busy with or that the series is based upon is Romans 5.17. It says, For if by one man's offense death reigned through the one, much more those who receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. Today I'd like to read that from the New Living Translation for you as well, because in this translation they changed the word offense to sin, and that is what it was. Adam and Eve sinned against God. So let's read this one as well. Romans 5.17 from the New Living Translation. For the sin of this one man, Adam, caused death to rule over many. Note the, the word rule. But even greater is God's wonderful grace and His gift of righteousness for all who receive it will live in triumph over sin and death through this one man, Jesus Christ. How many of you want to live in triumph over sin and death? And the rest, you're happy where you are. Okay. Today, we're going to focus on what it means to reign in life by reigning over sin, specifically. But we're also going to look at the weights we may be carrying and other things. But the, the main focus that I would like you to take away home today is that you are, if you are born again, you are free of sin. Sin leads to death. The Bible says that when Adam and Eve sinned, it led to death. Just an interesting side note. We, we learn in Genesis that there was the tree of life and also the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. They were not allowed to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. There's an interesting verse when they are cast out of the garden, God says 
They, they should be out of the garden so that they cannot further eat from the tree of life. Otherwise, they will live forever. We were supposed to live forever. That was the design. Okay? So, uh, so, and sin brings also spiritual death, emotional death, and mental death. We need to know that we are commanded to and given authority to and given the ability to reign over sin. Commanded to, given authority to, and given the ability to reign over sin. Amen? We're going to look at our main verse scripture today, and then we will look at the context of that scripture, because the context is very important. And after that, I want to illustrate something practically that hopefully will help all of us to remember this. And then we will take this main verse word for word and break it down so we understand it. So today is going to feel a bit like a, a Bible study on steroids, but I believe it's going to empower, encourage, and inspire all of us. Are you ready? Are you ready, church? Come on. Awesome. All right. So if you're on the Bible app, uh, you can go to our events and follow along. For those online as well, you're welcome to do that. Today's main scripture comes from Hebrews 12, verse 1 to 4, from the New King James. It says, Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run. That's our title for today. I, f- I forgot to tell, tell you that. Sorry. You can put it up now. Let us run. <laughs> Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. This is, this is a bit of a tough one to read. You have not yet resisted to bloodshed striving against sin. What I hear there is like, what are you complaining about? <laughs> Jesus bled for this. You haven't, you haven't strived to the point of bloodshed. I want us to read this in the Amplified as well. It, it shines a bit of a light on some of these terms, and then we're going to go into the context. So in the Amplified it says, and this is not on the screen, I apologize. Um, I couldn't find it in time to put on the screen, so I'm just going to read it to you. Just listen. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, who by faith have testified to the truth of God's absolute faithfulness, stripping off every unnecessary weight and the sin which so easily and cleverly entangles us, let us run with endurance and active persistence the race that is set before us, looking away from all that will distract us and focusing our eyes on Jesus who is the author and perfecter of our faith. The first incentive for our belief and the one who brings our faith to maturity. Who for the joy of accomplishing the goal set before him endured the cross, disregarding the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God, revealing his deity, his authority, and the completion of his work. Just consider and meditate on him who endured from sinners such bitter hostility against himself. 
Consider it all in comparison with your trials, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. You have not yet struggled to the point of shedding blood in your striving against sin. All right. What is the context of these verses? We have to read it in the context of what happened in Hebrews 11. Because Hebrews 12 starts with a very important word, therefore. It's referring to what went before. So, when we look at chapter 11 of Hebrews, who can tell me what, what does Hebrew 11.1 says, say? Yes. But, okay. Do you know the verse? Now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things unseen. Yo. This is why I need to come to connect group people and why I need to read the Word of God daily. It starts with the definition of faith and then it lists all the heroes of the faith. The last two verses of chapter 11. So in other words, 12 starts with therefore and the two verses just before that says in Hebrews 11, 39 to 40. And all these referring to all the heroes of the faith, have obtained a good testimony through faith. They did not receive the promise. God, having provided something better for us, that they should not be made perfect apart from us. In chapter 11, we keep seeing this phrase, by faith. By faith, Abel did this. By faith, Enoch did this. By faith, Noah did this. By faith, Abram, Sarah, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Moses, all these heroes of the faith are listed. And then, it's, then he says, I don't have time even to list all the other people. But then he mentions only a few of the judges. And he, and he talks about those who died a martyr's death. He talks about people being sawn in half and about people being boiled and attacked by animals. These are the things that people have suffered for the Christ. Horrific persecutions that some have endured. And then he ends with, with these verses. And all these, with all the stuff that they did, all the faith-based choices they made, all the endurance, things that they endured, they did not receive the promise. God, having provided something better for us, that they should not be made perfect apart from us. Which then brings us to our main verse for today. Now when you know all of this, it refers to the heroes of the faith, that they are looking for the promise, but they haven't received the promise. Now we come back to our main verse. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. Who is the cloud of witnesses? It's these heroes of the faith. Because there is people watching, <laughs> let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. The writer brings us into an important metaphor. He's comparing our journey of faith with a race. Can you see that? He's talking about it's a race. And we need to run a successful race. And in order to have the best chance of giving your best, you have to do four things. This is the four things we're going to see from here. This I do have on the screen. We need to lay aside every weight. We need to lay aside every sin that ensnares, entangles, or surrounds us. We need to run with endurance. And fourthly, we need to look unto Jesus. 
these are the four instructions that the writer of this chapter is giving us. All right, so now we're going to try and get practical. You know me and my little demonstrations. Always have to have a child involved. Leon, come as a papa So, can you go on the wide and just pan here? Yeah? I'm going to give Leon a weight. All right? But wait, there's more. Okay? Yeah, we're starting so. And I am going to entangle him with a snare. Yes, we have gym equipment at home. Now I'm going to tell him, run the race. Run. Okay, okay, come back for his break. All right. Now he's going to lay aside the weight and he's going to lay aside the sin that so easily entangles and then he's going to run without bumping into the keyboard. And run. Yay. Thank you, Jane. Come on, sit. Thanks. It's a very simple illustration, I know, but sometimes we actually need to see these things to really understand it. Who is the writer of Hebrews speaking to? He's clearly speaking to those of the faith. Would you agree? He's speaking to those who are born again, baptized, and Holy Spirit-filled, and part of a local church, like our members. This is the church to whom he's writing. When we spoke about the keys of the kingdom last week, who remembers that? We spoke about the keys of the kingdom for two weeks, last week and the week before. We focused on our role as believers to go out intentionally and seek the dead people, those who are lost because they don't know Jesus. Because we've been given the keys to bind and loose, to help people to come into the kingdom. Today we're going to focus on how we should be running our race of faith that has already started. This Hebrew writer is not speaking to people who don't know Jesus. He is speaking to believers. That's important to note. All right, we're going to focus on our first instruction. Lay aside every weight. How many of you knew that in ancient Greece, and at this time when this was written, with the Olympic Games, which started long before Jesus came to earth, that only male athletes competed and that they competed in the nude. They competed naked. They did so, according to what I, the research that I could find, they did so to impress Zeus. Now, all the um, statues that are built in, in, in Greece, most of them are, have a naked body of a male, and Zeus also has these muscles, and they were trying to impress their God. But also, they didn't want anything to impede their physical performance. They wanted to run as easily as possible, that nothing will hold them back. Personally, I can't imagine this being comfortable or effective. But then again, they probably didn't have pole vaulting in that time. Because <laughs> that would be interesting. And I, I'm also struggling to visualize the 3,000 meter obstacle race. Like that would be interesting. 
I'm sure, sure they just ran and saw who was the fastest. <laughs> okay, now stop imagining that. <laughs> this is a holy moment. But <laughs> Leon, Leon is asking, what about steeplechase? Yeah. That's gefaarlik. <laughs> anyway. All right. But the, the point is we need to see what the right, he was writing to people in a certain context. This is what they know. They know when there's races, this is how it is. There's nothing that impedes the athlete. And he's talking to, to them. So he's trying to communicate to us as believers, as fellow disciples, that we need to lay aside every weight, every burden, everything that can hold us back unnecessarily. Some scholars believe that this word weight, this word weight, refers to pride or arrogance. Some say it refers to man-made Jewish traditions and rituals that some of the new believers were still trying to force on, but some of the, um, the, the, the disciples were trying to force on new believers who weren't Jewish. They were trying to say, no, you have to get circumcised, you have to do these rituals, blah, blah, blah. That's a weight that they are putting on a new believer. It's not in line with the Word of God. And most believe that it's a general reference to anything that could hold one back from effectively running the race of faith with and for Jesus. You'll remember, those who have been with us for a while, that from our foundation series and our impact series, and especially when we spoke about Joseph and also the prodigal son story, we saw what power our past wounds can have on our identity. We saw how a father wound of any kind or any kind of childhood trauma that's not attended to can, can, and is not reacted to in a healthy biblical way can cause us to live a lie in terms of our true God-given identity. These wounds from our past, if left unattended, can and will be a weight that will keep us from running at full capacity. Can you see that? If you don't know who you really are and if you're still stuck on wounds, you cannot run the way that you should run this journey of faith. If objective reality shows that you are loved by God, called by God, sent by God, given natural and spiritual talents by God for the edification of the body of Christ and for the furtherance of His kingdom, but you look at yourself and your subjective reality is that I'm weak, I'm not worthy, I'm a burden to others, I'm not talented, I'm dumb, I don't have a future, then believing that lie, that subjective reality that's not true, can cause you to completely miss the objective reality of who you really are, of who God says you really are, and what He truly has created you for. That was a very long sentence. Does it make sense? All right. We are told to lay these weights aside. He's speaking to believers. So these people have given their lives to Christ. They are probably baptized and Holy Spirit filled, part of the local church. He's speaking to them. Why would he say put the weights aside if he didn't think there were weights to put aside? He's looking at them and saying, guys, I can see the pattern. I can see the blind spots that you may be missing. I can see that you have stuff that you, that's holding you back from running this race effectively. Lay it aside. How do you lay a weight aside? You need to go and listen to the series we did 
on dealing with your wounds because we spoke about how you need to identify it before you can deal with it. And if you still struggle, speak to any of the men who are in the Sons of God Bible study. We've been doing a great book on how to deal with the war in your mind and thinking the right way. Where are the sons of God? Raise your hands. There we go. See, you're surrounded. <laughs> we need to attend to our wounds in a healthy way. If it's a deep, serious wound, you need to get proper counseling and help so that you can deal with it and get healthy. But don't let that hold you back. Amen? Other um, weights can be bitterness. Bitterness towards someone unresolved issues in a relationship. It could be that you have a, a grudge against someone, that you feel someone wronged you, but, and you're holding it against them. The Bible is very clear on this point. Don't come to the altar and pray if you have something against your brother. Your prayers will not be heard. That's a weight that can hold you back in your race. Don't let bitterness and anger and frustration with other people come in the way of you running the race. Amen? He was speaking to believers. The second thing he tells us is to lay aside every sin that so easily ensnares and surrounds us. You saw me putting that around Leon. What is another word for a snare? A trap, yes. Does a trap just appear out of nowhere? Someone sets a trap. Who do you think sets the trap that we are typically ensnared by? Children of God. Who sets the traps? The enemy, the devil, who walks around like a roaring lion, trying to devour. He's also the one who kills, steals, and destroys. And he is the father of lies. He lies the best. If you don't know that he's the father of lies, just ask someone in your life, listen, do I have any blind spots? <laughs> They will probably tell you if they love you. These things need to be taken care of. The power of a lie is that we don't know we are being lied to. Otherwise, it will have no power. Some of these traps will be directly linked to some of the weights that you are carrying. If you are stuck on a wound from your past that you haven't laid aside, then he will use that to trap you in sin. He will. In other words, some of his lies can ensnare you to commit sin and it will be linked to a childhood wound or an identity crisis you may be struggling with. If it easily ensnares, it means you did not see it and you walked straight into it and you got caught and it wasn't hard. He says the sin that so easily ensnares us. He's warning the church. He's warning believers. Now you're entangled in this sin. And what does it do? It holds you back from running the race. What is the power of sin? The power of sin is it brings death to your spirit. It oppresses you. It steals your joy, your peace, and your rest. It brings guilt and shame and condemnation. All these things will hold you back. This affects your thinking. And it distracts you from the task at hand. It takes your mind off of Jesus and onto the idols in your life. Most sin comes down to idolatry. It just does. I'm doing this to make myself feel better. What are you actually saying? Jesus can't make me feel better. I need this. 
I'm running to this thing instead of running to Jesus. It's an idol. Most of your sin in your life that you may be struggling with is just that. And then what we've also now learned at Sons of God is that when you do something over and over and over again, it forms a rut in your mind and you start automatically falling back into that sin and you don't even know why. That's why we need the Word of God. We need to get rid of the, we need to identify the lie that caused the rut, get rid of it, and then we need to start speaking the truth of God's Word to form a truth trench, as we've learned now, a truth trench instead of a lie rut, okay? And it's a very powerful thing. We've all started to experience the power of that in our own lives. As believers, we are told to not let sin come back into our lives and to not let it distract us from our race with, for Jesus. So when you are born again, baptized, full with the Holy Spirit, and it's a genuine conversion, you are really a child of God, then yes, you are forgiven. Your sins are washed away. And God has set you free and you are on your way to heaven. Absolutely. But how many of you found that that went well for a while and then after a while you started doing stuff that you knew was wrong? Anyone? All right. It's possible that it can happen again. Now, some of you may quote scriptures at me like, He who the Son sets free is free indeed. And it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And we are dead to sin and alive in Christ. Now, you are right. These verses tell us who we are in Christ and that sin no longer has a hold over us and that we will have eternal life. But we need to firstly reiterate something that I do not think I can say enough. Those verses only apply to us if we are truly born again, truly saved, truly a new creation, no longer in condemnation. The reason why we have a strong mandate to speak up against cultural Christianity is because there are many people that think they are Christians, but they are in bondage of religion. They grew up in a Christian home, and therefore they are Christian. That is not how you become a Christian. You have to make a decision to die to self, to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, and then do what He says, not what you want. Many people who struggle with sin or with other kinds of stuff in their lives, the first thing I ask them is, have you given your life to Christ? And many of them would say, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I ask a few more questions, and I realize after a while, no, they haven't really. They haven't. I, a lot of the people that I, have, that I have led to meet Jesus thought they were Christians. I've seen it time and time and time again. Recently, I had a conversation with, with a guy. I could see this written all over him because I was there. I know what it looks like. And I've led a few men to realize the same things and to come to Christ. And I had this conversation with him. After a while, he said to me, is this normal to you? <laughs> Asking these kinds of questions. I said, you know what? We can talk about nonsense, but I'd rather talk about stuff that's eternal. That's how much I love you, even if I don't know you that well. I'd like to see you get into heaven. But even if we are truly born again, which I believe all of you are, right? We can be trapped by sin. This is what he's saying. It can easily ensnare us. And it's a warning. It's an encouragement. He points it out to us that we can run the race well. He points it out because he knows that we are free from the power of sin and death. But he also knows that if we are not vigilant and careful, 
we can be enticed back into our old ways, back into old habits, things that are actually dead in our own self. But the enemy tries to convince us to revive it. I call it old man hiccups. When you find yourself doing something that you know died when you, went, when you came to Christ, you're like, what is happening? It's an old man hiccup. It's coming back. The old man's trying to revive himself. It's like, no, stay dead. If you're still not sure that I'm right, let me ask you, those of you who profess to be born-again Christians, how many of you have sinned since you became born again? How many? Thank you for your honesty. How many of you sinned this morning on the way to church? Honest, honesty, I like it. We all have had those moments where we fight in the car and we get out and we're like, It so easily ensnares us if we are not vigilant, if we are not weary. I just feel I need to point out something. I've been asked this question once or twice recently, so maybe it's a question that some of us have. As a born-again believer, is it possible that I can be demon-possessed? I believe from the Word of God, that once you are truly born again, you cannot be possessed by a demon because he has no place to go. But through sin and through opening up your life to certain things that is not of God, you can open a door to a demonic spirit to oppress you. And that can manipulate you in doing more sin of the same kind. I don't have time to explain to you why, according to the Word of God, but this is what I believe from the Scriptures. Once you are born again, you are free from the devil and his plans, yes. But if you, it's like when you have a home and you, at night, instead of locking the doors so that the the thieves can't come in, you open a crack of your front door and you leave a note and say, have a good time. (laughs) And they can come in. And you think you can sleep and be safe. It's kind of like if you open your your life up to certain things, don't be surprised when you start thinking differently, when you start hanging out with different kinds of people and and your life starts doing this, like, I need to get back. Even if you are born again, this can happen. That is why being part of a church is so important. That is why being in a connect group is so important. Because if you are spending more time in the Word of God, in God's presence with godly people, the chances that you will fall back into those ways are a lot less. And if you are under the covering of a local church, you are protected. And one of the ways we protect you is to clap you when you do something wrong. Because we love you that much. Like, hey, what you're doing is wrong. This is what the Bible says. I love you so much, I'm going to tell you the truth. And that's why this church is not for everybody. Some people will be offended. I'm so offended. It's okay. Whatever whatever I offend in you hasn't died to Christ. If something in you gets offended, it hasn't died. Why else would it jump up? Married people? All right. 
The third thing, run with endurance is his third instruction. I want you to imagine a race. And they're off. And they're running. The gun is blazed, a shot, and they're running. The race has begun. We're in it. There's an amazing cloud of witnesses in the audience who are looking on, cheering, waiting for the promise of Jesus to be fulfilled through us in our new covenant dispensation. Because the Bible says here that they cannot receive the promise before we receive it. They are jealous of what God has given us. This cloud of faith hero witnesses. They are jealous. So our effective running as the church of Jesus with the correct understanding of the keys of the kingdom and with a heart to reach the lost and to help our brothers and sisters in the body of Christ to get healed and whole and run well with us is of eternal importance. We are being watched to see what we will do with the promise of the new covenant. Some of these faith heroes like Moses, Daniel, David, other prophets, they saw the promise as a prophetic vision, dream, or word. They knew that the Christ was coming. They prophesied about it. Long before Christ came, long before He died, and long before the new covenant was even available to us, do we understand the weight of that? This is a good kind of weight, not the bad kind of weight. Do we understand the weight of that responsibility, that role that we have? What does it mean to run this eternally important race with endurance? Why is the writer instructing us to run with endurance? He could have just said, let us run. But he said, let us run with endurance. Because it is possible that the race is longer, tougher, and more tiring than any of us realized going in. Amen? When you signed up for the Jesus race, you may have thought it was a sprint. And now you realize it's a marathon. Some of you have realized it's an ultra marathon. <laughs> I, I have some friends who do massive trail running events and even Ironman stuff. Some of them do Cape Epics and all these crazy things that I would never do. They train for months, even for years. They have to eat right. They have to follow a plan and a program to be in the best possible shape for the event. Why? So that they can do well and finish well and not get injured. Right? Am I right? Nelis, you had that gedoen. Imagine, just imagine for a moment. Imagine if every believer in this church and the greater body of Christ prepared for the race with Jesus with the same passion, the same fervor, the same tenacity and endurance as these modern-day athletes, what would the world look like? We would change the world. We will. Endurance means to stick it out when it gets hard. To choose to stay in the race no matter what happens. Not to give up, but to have endurance. Once the weights are off and the sin is dealt with, we still need to keep in mind we will need endurance. And this is a stage race. Each of us believers are not where we started out. We have matured by spending time with God, meditating on His Word, praising and worshiping Him. We have, endure, we have endured disappointments. We have endured wounds, old and new. And we've overcome temptations. And when we fell into sin, we repented. 
overcame and kept going. Amen? Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. This is important. The race that is set before us. Not the one we choose. Run the race with endurance that is set before you. Did you ever stop on that little phrase? Jesus says, this is the way. And you're like, eh, I know another trail. When we become born again Jesus followers, we need to actually follow the leader. He creates the racetrack and runs ahead to show the way. We need to actually endure while running the racetrack He sets up for us. Imagine you sign up for the Cape Epic, but you rock up for the Argus. You're laughing at that, but we do that with our walk with Christ. I'll sign up for the race. Yes, Jesus. And he says, okay, here is the narrow way where you have to suffer and die and do what I say. Yeesh. Isn't there another one? Yes, there's a broad one, which is nice for now, but then you have eternal death apart from me. When Jesus calls me to be obedient to Him and His Word, to honor Him and build His kingdom, and when He shows me a specific calling in His kingdom, and I don't do it, then I'm actually sinning. And this will cause a new kind of weight to be put on me, so that I won't be able to run the race I choose well either. Let me explain that again. If you say you're a Christian, but you're doing life your way, you're in the career that you want, you are married to the person you wanted to marry, nowhere did you consult God, and you are in this race now. You're like, yes, I'm a Christian, I go to church on Sundays, but, you know, I've got a plan. I've got a five-year plan, a 10-year plan, a 20-year plan. I've got these investments, I've got savings. Um, That's my dream house, that's my dream holiday house. It's all good, I've got plans. You are, if God did not tell you to do that, And if you are not being effective for the kingdom of Christ, if you are not leading people to Jesus, if you are not serving at a local church, you are sinning against God. And that sin will then entangle you. It will surround you. It will cause wounds and weight and hold you back even from the thing that you are trying to do. And ultimately it will end where God doesn't want you to be. Fourth one. Looking to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Jesus wrote the book on faith, literally. He wrote the book. He's the author. He wrote it and he finished it. He created it, crafted it, decided on the main characters, plot line, the beginning, the middle, and the end. He doesn't need an editor. He doesn't need a publisher. He can do it all. He's the author and the finisher, the author and the perfecter of our faith. We just read about the heroes of the faith. We read about our role. We need to keep our eyes on Him. Looking to Jesus is about having a single-minded focus on Him as we run this race of faith. Do not look at anyone or anything else. Do not be distracted by the weight of your past. Not be distracted by temptation or sin or the guilt and shame that may come from sinning. Keep your eyes on Jesus. We need to keep our eyes on Jesus on him, sorry, we need to keep our eyes on Jesus while we run so that we, uh, I already said that. Jesus is also supernatural. And when we are in relationship with him, we become supernatural and therefore have access to the supernatural. 
You know how some people say, oh, I'm just human. Are you born again? Okay, then you're a new creation, no longer in condemnation. The Holy Spirit actually lives inside of you. He is supernatural. You now have the mind of Christ, and you are filled with Jesus. You are not just a human anymore. I'm going to make sure it's supernatural man. Get little capes. We're going to run around and tell everybody, I'm a supernatural man. Would you like to come to Jesus? It's a little joke, but we need to realize that that is who we are when we give our lives to Christ. Our old man is dead and our new creation is alive. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Is Christ supernatural? Yes. Does he live in you? Yes. So you are supernatural, all right? Through him, we reign in life over sin and death. He enables us to do it as long as we keep our eyes on him. That is the catch. Lay aside the weight, lay aside the sin, run with endurance, keeping your eyes on Jesus. We read here about a specific reason we need to keep our eyes on him. Why he is our focus and inspiration. From verse 2 to 4, Hebrews 12, 2 to 4, it says, Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of God. For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself. And then that last part, you have not resisted to bloodshed. He will help us to endure to not let shame get the better of us, to help us endure hostility from sinners, unsaved people who persecute, hate, and make our lives challenging so that we don't become weary and discouraged. And we should know that we have not resisted sin to the point of bloodshed so we can still go. We can still run the race with endurance. We have capacity. We have what it takes. But also, we will never have to do what Jesus did. He did it for us so that we don't have to. Amen? Does that make sense? Let's lay aside the weight. Let's lay aside the sin. Let's run the race with endurance. When it gets tough, we keep going. We pull our brothers and sisters closer. We say, pray for me, help me, guide me. I'm going through a tough time. Don't try to do it alone. That is why we are a family. We need each other to do this. He was speaking to a church, a collection of people that are born again, but he knows are part of a church. He was encouraging all of them, saying that all these heroes of the faith are watching and waiting for the promise to come through us. What an amazing opportunity. God has given us so much. And I fear that through religious activities and through not really taking this up and by making so many things less than it is, we are too familiar with what it means to be a Christian. We have made it light. We have made it powerless. If you read this, you should be moved as a born-again believer. To run the race with endurance. You should be moved to take the keys of the kingdom, to unlock people's lives, to bring them into the fold, 
Share the truth with them. Teach them what Jesus has taught you. That's the Great Commission, Matthew 28. Go into all the world and make disciples, teaching them what I've taught you, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's what we've been called to do. Who's ready to run the race? Who's ready to lay aside the weight, the sin, to run with endurance, not to give up, and to always look on Jesus? Let us all stand together and reflect and respond on the word of today. Let's close our eyes and focus on Jesus. I want each of you to have a moment where you talk to God right now. Know that Holy Spirit is with you. He's in you. He's guiding you. He's leading you. Ask Holy Spirit, is there anything in my life that is a weight that is holding me back that I shouldn't carry? Holy Spirit, come and show us if there's any weight we are carrying that we don't need to carry. All right, now just pray this after me. Lord Jesus, thank you for showing me the weight. I ask now that you help me to lay this weight aside. Free me from the hurt, from the shame, and the guilt. And help me to walk free from these things. I lay it aside in the name of Jesus. We're going to do the same with sin now. Ask Holy Spirit, is there any sin in my life that easily ensnares, entangles, pulls me back in, that I habitually do and fall back into? Let us pray together. Say, Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sin. I repent from it in the name of Jesus. I turn away from this way and I turn to you. Wash me clean, make me new, and help me to renew my mind, to live free from sin in the fullness of of my identity in you as a born-again believer. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, this morning I just want to stand with everybody and I want to pray that you help all of us to endure the race. We thank you that you freed us from wounds and weights, that you freed us from sin. And we thank you right now that you will give us the supernatural strength to endure the race. That when it gets tough, when, it gets, when we get bogged down, when we feel like it's not worth it, that you will come and just strengthen us, fill us with Holy Spirit power, and that we will know we can take another step forward. Lord, we pray right now that you will strengthen us to do that. And Holy Spirit, Lord Jesus, we choose today Keep our eyes on you, Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Each of us choose 
to not look to the left or the right, to not let any other things be more important than you. We fix our eyes on you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We pray that you will strengthen us, guide us, and keep us on this racetrack that you have set before us. If any one of us are on the wrong track, show us, Lord, we will repent and we will come onto the right racetrack that you have laid out, that you have set before us. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. If there's anyone here today in this gathering or online that realizes they haven't really given their lives to Christ, they haven't made that decision to follow Christ, and you want to choose today to become a true born-again believer, I want to ask that you pray this after me. Lord Jesus, today I choose to give my life to you. Thank you that you died on a cross in my place for my sins. I want to follow you. I want to serve you. I want to be free in you. And I want to have eternal life with you. Thank you, Jesus, for setting me free. I choose to do your will and I lay my will down in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Let's give God a big shout of praise. Hallelujah. Thank you so much for listening to the Love Key Church Podcast Message of the Week. I trust that you had a life-changing encounter with God that will help you to align with His purposes so that you can be one step closer to reigning in life. And may you be inspired to share this with others. Have a great week and remember to listen again next week or catch us live online or come visit us in person. May God bless you and keep you, make His face shine upon you and be gracious to you, your marriage and your family. Bye-bye.